This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, procrastinating is easy, but letting go of it can be even easier. According to Michael Lossier, author of The Law of Attraction, he gives us his tips on how to deal with procrastination and finding positivity by addressing negativity. Are you okay with Christmas lights? Yes, we are. And a giant space rock killed the dinosaurs, right? Maybe. On the world of weird things, Greg Fish tells us why there's a great debate over the extinction event that killed off the dinosaurs. Was it just a giant space rock? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Be positive. Isn't that what we're always told? Be positive. Or maybe it's don't be negative. Ooh, there's a difference between those two. If you listen to The Shift, these are things that I speak about all the time. And I believe that that's why I have uh, such great enjoyment of my time when I get to spend with Michael Lossier. Michael Lossier, Law of Attraction. You've heard of the book. He's been on Oprah. You've seen, uh, you're going to recognize his face. You recognize his voice. If you listen to The Shift, he's been on a bunch of times. He's Canadian, by the way. He's out in the West Coast in Victoria. And new books, new releases, and some... I procrastination is really what got me because I realized, Michael, that I've been meaning to get you on the show for a few weeks. And then I saw a note from you that said something about procrastination. I was like, well, that to me makes total sense. I've been procrastinating. He's talking about procrastination. Let's call it a connection. I'm emailing emailing Michael. Thanks for being back, brother. You're welcome. It's always a delight to hang out with Canadian friends and Canadian listeners. So I appreciate I appreciate you being here. Hey, but I want to talk about, we're talking about be positive, be positive, and people don't know how to do that. I don't know yep. what to do. I don't know what to say. What am I supposed to do? Well, wait for it. The best way to become more positive is to become less negative. You see, it's a math equation. It. The balance of your vibration, the balance of your feelings from zero to 100, and 100 is the ideal sweet spot because when I'm at 100, everything's falling into place. Everything I touch, all my relationships, my clients, I love my life when it's on 100. That's the vibrational dial. And the good news is that the, the way to get the way to stay high in the dial is to delete and remove things that are causing you to have a negative experience. And that might mean people or a job or a customer. Your only business is to mind your dial or to mind your vibration. So to summarize that again, the best way to be more positive, that means have a high dial is to become less negative. And as you release and delete negative experiences and things, then the balance of your vibrations gets risen. It's a math equation. You don't have to become more positive. You get more positive just by releasing negative energy and negative uh, attraction. I love it. It sounds an awful lot like having, um, you know, you don't get to have it right? You know, it's not something that you have, you, you get to do it and be it and live into it and all those things. And that sounds beautiful to me, michaellossier.com. We will post that up at shiftheads.ca for everybody to uh, dig into for all of the books and all the things. If, if this is interesting, let's just reset. Cause it's been a while, Michael, uh, high vibes are the, you know, the, the flow type you talk about it. You have your own language to describe it. Yeah. Uh, the low vibes, the negative vibes, Maybe just give us the basics of that yeah. for those who are hearing you for the first time. I know. People are saying, well, first, you know, some people use the word vibe to describe a mood or a feeling. They might say, wow, I really like the vibe in this place. Or, you know what? I didn't like her vibe or his vibe. So we use the word vibe more and more, and we're really describing a mood or a feeling. Now, the word vibe is a cute little four-letter word that comes from the longer word vibration, which I use freely and easily. But to the rest of the world, they might not use the word vibration. We're going to use the word vibe. And a vibe is a mood or a feeling. And right now, everybody has one. You cannot not have one. And there's only two kinds. There's positive vibes or positive feelings and negative vibes or negative feelings. There's different degrees of each. I could be content or super elated, or I could be a little irritated or super off. There's only two kinds. There's different degrees of each. So the question is, how can I tell where I'm at on the dial? Well, that's easy. 
You can tell where you're at on this dial by how you feel. This vibe meter is really measuring. Are you ticked off and angry? Then that's a negative vibe. No judgment, but that's a negative vibe. And if you're feeling happy and you're you're acknowledging, you're celebrating your success, you're loving this and loving that, that's a positive vibe. And you can only have one at a time. So we know that we know um, have, we know what a negative vibe feels like. We're ticked off. We're not happy. We're angry. But now to take it to the next level, you'll attract more of that. Whatever this vibe is that you're, well, I know that people know that. They've been in a bad mood and they keep attracting negative people all day or they have a client cancel, then another one cancel. What's going on? Well, it's your vibration going on. So there's a reason why we want to have high vibes. It's not just to be cool and groovy. It's because the higher our vibe, the faster we can attract positive things. Matter of fact, all those things that people said they wished and wanted, the speed at which you attract all these things that you want is determined by how much negative vibe you have. So that's why you want to have a positive vibe. A, so you can attract positive people and things, and B, so you can attract positive things faster. And C, it feels better. And yeah, it was my bet. I was going to say groovy is pretty all right for a feeling. So yeah. that's the that's the cool part about it all. Okay, so just to w switch from people uh, in uh, I'm in a bad mood, I'm in a good mood, I had a bad thing happen, and I'm going to sort of continue with that bad vibe and transfer that through my whole day. It's not really about being good or bad or perfect by any means. From what I've learned from listening into your online stuff, is that really it's about acknowledging and correcting and realizing, oh, wait a second, fell in the trap, if you will, or something like that. How would you describe that? Well, first, there's a presupposition. And a presupposition means I'm presupposing. So my presupposition is that I want to feel good. That's my, I'm, pre I'm presupposing that I want to feel good. So anything that makes my vibrational meter, remember, I like to be in the hundreds and the nineties. And how do I know that my vibration is getting lower? If it had a sound, it would sound like this. So this vibrational meter reader is what keeps me conscious, and I want to be careful. And when I catch myself attracting something negative or having a negative thought, I can change it. And in my book, I call it the vibe reset. What a button that is to have. You know, something breaks down on our house, and it's got the red reset button in it. We press it. It gets reset. We don't got to ask a question. Well, you can also reset this negative vibe to a positive vibe just by giving attention to something else and not giving attention to the negative thing. Beautiful tool. Absolutely beautiful tool. I remember, and this is in action in Michael's life. We were chatting about, I think you were going on a grocery trip or something, and it was a new friend in your life. It was someone that you had spent time with, I think, in a social circle, but not necessarily one-on-one -on -one you right. shared. Yeah, yeah. And um, you got in the car. And the conversation immediately went negative oh, and you were like, you, you got to take me home or something, right? Like you're, but it's a good example of how, yeah, okay. I'm in an environment where this is not jiving with me right now. I'm going to tap out. You enjoy your trip. Yeah. We'll connect another time. Well, and, and uh, you know, what, what I did is that I set my boundaries and my boundaries are, were around the things that I was going to have a conversation about. Well, first those boundaries are because I'm selfish and that means selfish meaning self-care. I care about myself enough that I'm not lowering my vibration. I'm not going to smell something that doesn't smell good. I'm not going to taste something that doesn't taste good. I'm not going to listen to music, and I'm not going to have conversations that lower my vibration. I'm too selfish. That's my boundary. Now, the challenge about a boundary is communicating it, mm -hmm. and that takes courage. My friend, Lots of courage. My friend didn't know how to treat me. You know why? Because I didn't train him. Mm -hmm. People will treat you the way you allow them to. If I had other friends in the back seat of the car and heard the guy in the front seat of the car, my friends would say, "Ooh, he doesn't know Michael," because my friends, <laughs> my friends know that's not a conversation they bring to me, unless they want to be reset. But if they want to complain, they'll find somebody else. If they want to be uplifted, and you'll know that you're uplifting your friends when they say, "You're the most uplifting person in my world." And that's mm. literal. Remember the dial? When my friend called, they were on 50. I didn't lower my dial on 100 to meet theirs. 
I made them raise their dial to meet mine by influencing the conversation. Tell me what you want. Tell me the way you want it to be. Tell me what you learned. Tell me things you're doing well. It's all I did was ask influencing questions and their vibration raised. And they say, you're so uplifting. They didn't mean levitating. They meant uplifting on the dial. Mm-hmm. Although if you could levitate, I got to tell you, we'd hang out more because that'd be cool to watch. <laughs> um, Michael Lossier is here. The Law of Attraction, among many other books, Law of Connection, so much more too. Uh, well, the links are up at shiftheads.ca. I, I have learned in this process that being able to say positive things, because you've shared with us here on the shift that don't not know, right? Yeah. Uh, avoid those words and, and you have a big impact just in general on your life. And there are ways to communicate clearly without being negative. And I've learned that. And, but I found that in the smallest little ways, I still have these negative habits. And so in the spirit of this conversation, I wanted to bring for you and for the shift heads listening, one specific example of where I still have yet to reprogram myself into positive thinking. And especially with working at night shift and everybody who works late or gets up mega early, when I wake up in the morning, very first thing when I wake up in the morning, I have never been one of those, it's a beautiful day, let's go skipping down the street kind of guys. It's never been my thing. I've always been kind of slow waker. And, but I do find that I I get up in the morning and I'm like, I don't want to do this. You know, oh no, my knees hurt. Oh, that's sore. You know, I didn't get enough sleep. And you can hear all those don't not knows bouncing into my day as soon as I wake up. So, how do I retrain like a little moment like that? It's not like I'm really intentionally being negative, Michael. I'm not sitting there going, you know what, grr, something bad happened and I'm going to make it my whole day. But clearly it's having an impact on how I start and how I start the day and how I finish the day to me are very important pieces. Okay, well, I have the answer. Well, that's good. I'm glad. The answer that's causing you to have the negative thought, another negative thought, and beating yourself up and blaming yourself and not the like the not like the way you said it or did it or whatever it might be or the way you look or it doesn't matter. All that negative self-talk is from an old unprocessed emotion. What does that mean? It means you had an experience in the past where you had an emotion about that, where you beat yourself up or blame yourself or made yourself wrong. We call it negative self-talk in the real world. And the, the emotion that it's real, the, the root emotion is called self-abuse. And doesn't that interpret well the word self-abuse, meaning abusing myself with words? Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Get that. I'm blaming myself. Okay. And 100% accurate, just to support that for everyone else listening. Okay. Uh, yeah. 100% hard on myself that way, and I abuse myself that way. Okay. Totally. Yeah. And so it's called self-abuse. And it's an unprocessed emotion the size of a baseball that's captured within you. And it's, imagine in the cartoon, it's like a fish in a fish tank. It's swimming around and swimming around. And every time you have a negative thought or abusing yourself with words or thoughts or old memories, that emotion is activating that thought. Would you like to be able to delete it? I would love to be able to delete it. Yes, imagine. Now, in my work law of attraction, I help people change their thoughts and words, which changes the vibration to something new. But in your case, it's hard to change this to something new because it's present. And it's an old energy called self-abuse. Now, in my releasing negative emotions world, that's exactly what I do, I become people's proxy. That means on their behalf, I identify and delete with a magnet these emotions. But you can do it yourself for this one. So uh, on on the chart, the emotion is called self-abuse. And it takes two things to delete an emotion. Number one, you got to know its name. We did that. Check. Number two, it's not enough to say, oh, I've got self-abuse. That doesn't get rid of it. So just like if you said, hey, Michael, I got a bug in my computer file system, and the file's called self-abuse. And can you find it? And I say, oh, okay. And I go through your computer file and say, hey, I found the bug in your computer. It is called self-abuse. Your presupposition, me as the computer geek, would I would do what to it? I would delete, delete it. it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And as I'm deleting it, I don't want to take it from your computer into my computer So I use a magnet, and the magnet is the only thing that can delete the emotion. But here's how you do it yourself. If you're listening, stop the car, 
get a pen and paper. This is for everybody. If you catch yourself doing any of these things, blaming yourself, beating yourself up, looking at everything as half empty, or feeling dread, or feeling resistance, or feeling I'm not good enough, or I don't like my voice, or I don't like how I look on the camera, and uh, I feel stupid. Real negative stuff, that's called self-abuse. So here's the three-step process. One, surface the problem you just identified, which is, oh my God, I just hate the way I'm doing this. I'll never get this figured out. I don't wanna go to work, that's a problem. Number two, with a magnet, just follow the rule. With the magnet, say this at the same time. Releasing the self-abuse, and then take the magnet and put it in front of your face from your nose to your forehead, up and down, well, 10 times, like a windshield wiper, because you don't want to take on that energy, so this magnet is deleting it. And on yourself, it's releasing it. I'm going to tell you the three steps again. Surface the, the thing that you're feeling, you're beating yourself up about or don't like the negative self-talk. Number two, with a magnet, swiping 10 times, say this, releasing the self-abuse. And when you believe that's it, instantly you should notice that it's hard to access that negative thought because the emotion that stored it is deleted. It's like if you went back into the computer and you went to look for the file, what would the computer say? File not found. It was there a minute ago. Yeah, I know I deleted it. But with you and I, there's no delete basket. You can't really mm -hmm. go to the delete. When it's deleted, it because the magnet fizzed it out or phased it out, just like it would in the old days of floppy disks and taking a magnet and doing that. So I love it. I'm willing to try. Good work. Do anything and uh, take it on. I mean, I, I did a, a gratitude meditation before I got on this today. And you talk about, you know, patterns and things we get to uh, in that sort of positive vision work that I sat down with. I like that for a good center for me, especially before I get into conversation with other people. What am I here for? I'm looking forward to talking to Michael today. Uh, connection, all those things. And the word that came to me, because I'm a words guy, I usually narrow it down to one word, was willing. And so I'm going to apply willing exactly to what you're talking about. Michael Lossier and the law of attraction. So Michael, the procrastination as a bit of a playful reason to reach out, because one of the emails that you had sent out talked about procrastination. It is a real thing. And it's, uh, you take these, these, all of these tools that are centered on your law of attraction, your vibes, and uh, releasing emotion, negative emotion, not the good ones, yeah. uh, releasing your negative emotions. And, um, and it really does start to apply and reapply to specifics in people's lives. And procrastination was one of them that you brought up. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. That's right. Well, a procrastination, there's two beliefs that I have. One belief means that everything isn't lined up yet. Because you ever know when you go to do it, everything fell into place. So procrastination means I'd like to work on this, but I've learned to say I'd like to work on this and give it some cooking time. You know, let the universe start to bring me ideas and information and resources. So I might start a file folder called Project 123, uh, jot some information, down, and then put that file away. Instead of trying to dump my brain and come up with every idea in one brainstorm, I create a vessel to receive information. So, you know, that's one of, one of my strategies there. So procrastination means I'm just waiting for all the energy to line up. That's what I learned until... I learned about the emotion code and releasing negative emotions. So would you believe there's an emotion on the car, on the chart that causes procrastination? And the emotion is called creative insecurity. Hmm, interesting. As somebody like you that's a wordsmith, that probably rang true for you, creative insecurity. And what does it mean? Well, it, it, read it backwards or flip the order. It's the insecurity. To, I'm insecure about being creative. I don't want to write the article. I might get it wrong. I don't want to pick a pink color. I don't want to work on my website. I don't want to write a book. I don't want to finish anything. I don't want to throw out my recycling. I don't want to go through my old drawers and my mm. file folders. Why? Because I don't want to get it wrong. So, what if nobody likes it? Yeah, and what? because I got it wrong. What if yeah. nobody likes it? So this insecurity, and listen to the key word, it arises, it's like a puff of smoke, it arises when you go to create or develop anything. 
Oh, I want to. I'm going to plot my New Year's. I'm going to my. I'm going to plot my 2021. And we plot the 2021, and then what arises? Creative mm. insecurity and it stops us. So, New Year's Day, I'm doing an event on all my live platforms, and I'm going to teach people how to delete this energy that's causing them to procrastinate. And once they get rid of it, then they get stuff done. They're flip charting. They're coming up with ideas, but. I'm going to teach it to you right now. So the same formula. Uh, so I'm going to teach you how to release this emotion called creative insecurity. Number one, state the problem that you're procrastinating on. Can you think of something? Oh, for me specifically? Yeah. Writing my book. Writing your book. Okay. So now uh, with the magnet, swiping 10 times. So you surface the problem, just like if you were going to, if you said, Michael, go into my computer, there's a file called writing a book. So I don't, so you know which one to access. <coughs> swiping 10 times or more in front of your forehead from your nose to your shoulder. I mean, <coughs> forehead. Releasing this creative insecurity. And your subconscious mind will know that's in reference to the problem you just surfaced. I'll say the three-step formula. Uh, state what it is you're resisting. Throwing stuff out, recycling, returning that phone call, doing my taxes, filling out a form, taking that online course. There's hundreds of things. Mm -hmm. State the problem with a magnet. And oh, by the way, any magnet could be like a little fridge magnet at the dollar store or Mickey Mouse. It doesn't matter. Just enough that it has that energy. Swipe it up and down in front of your face saying, releasing this creative insecurity about 10 times and then get your flip charts and your markers and your stickies ready because you are going to be in creative writing mode. I love it. It's beautiful stuff. And I, today is, uh, a, you would never have anticipated when you started this process, Michael, and maybe you did, that the world would need tools to be able to process things because you started law of attraction before anybody was talking about law of attraction. It was so long ago and I'm well, sort of dating you, but I don't mean to, <laughs> but I just celebrated 20 year anniversary with law of attraction of the book. Yeah. 20 See, years so, old. Like, yeah. It was so long before anybody else was doing it or writing about it. It's been ripped off a million times and, and it all started with this learning and all of this. And here we are today, 20 years later, Michael, and, and, the message really, you did not even, I, there are some new versions of the book, but for 20 years, that thing stood tall, needed no updates. And the only thing I would say that is inaccurate about it is everybody's awareness and need for more tools. It has nothing to do with the book. Yeah, That's amazing when you think about it from 20 years ago, yeah. when people say, okay, well, does this work? Does it work for me? Whatever. Well, I can tell you it stood tall for this long. Yeah, I, I love that book. I get my, my email box. Everyone loved the style. And, you know, when I wrote that book, I made sure that I wrote it to satisfy all the four learning styles. So everybody likes it. The, the person that doesn't care about pictures, they like all the words. And then the yeah. visual people likes the cartoons. And the kinesthetic people, they like all the characters that I talk about. And then there's the worksheets and the checkoff. The worksheets, box. yeah. Yeah, it really, even Oprah loved all that stuff. When Oprah interviewed yeah. me the first time, at the end of each chapter, she liked the section that said, at the end of this chapter, you should have learned. And she bullet, she read everything. She said, I loved it. She said, I was so proud of myself. I did. I learned don't, not, and no. I, and it was a great summary. So so her and someone else's style said, oh, I never noticed that section, right? So again, right. different styles um, appease differently. Yeah. And that's the really cool thing about it. I've given it as gifts before. I go back to it all the time. Uh, there are links to the worksheets, which I have saved on my computer. Yeah. Uh, if you just like Michael discussed, and uh, th these things are really, really great. And even if people for whatever reason, don't buy into any of it, I can tell you this, and this is the coolest part about it. If nothing else, it does show people the access to by the way, you don't have to ride this train that you're on of, I call it in my language, I call it of living versus alive, yeah. right? You get to feel alive. You get to feel as Michael describes it, the high vibes. It gives people access to just go, by the way, you can change the outcome by putting work into it. Here's a fantastic tool to get started. And even if that's the only gift you gave people, imagine what that gift would do. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. My book is very men friendly. 
It's very husband friendly. <laughs> when wives, and you know, I'm not, I'm not being general. This happened many times. They said, "How do I get my husband to read it?" You know what I said? Just leave it in the bathroom because because you, you open it and it's interesting. There's a cartoon or there's some kind of graphic, something that helps it make sense. So it's really it's really about applying all of that. Well, learn more. And uh, if you sign up for Michael's newsletter, you get access to all the things that Michael does. He does them consistently. There are free things. There are paid things. There are books. There are free documents and worksheets. It's got a balance uh, for everybody for where you're in and what you're looking for. And it's michaellossier.com. Again, he's Canadian. He's in Victoria. And uh, he's one of my favorite people. I thoroughly enjoy these conversations, Michael. You do leave me uh, inspired. You do lift me up to that place where you are. And I'm always grateful for that. And I do always look forward to chatting again. So we'll share that with everybody so they have access. And for me, my heartfelt gratitude for the time, friend. Uh, thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? Some stories to make you ponder, maybe shake your head. Ryan O'Donnell is in Ottawa. John O'Chung is in Vancouver. I'm Shane Hewitt in Calgary, city of Airdrie on the north side. Uh, are you okay with Christmas lights? Christmas <laughs> lights? I love Christmas lights. I know. You've already got them up. And mine are up. Mine are good. Uh, my dads are up. I got my dads up last weekend. I posted my Kermit the Frog on uh, the Shift Heads group. So one of those... Uh, just a little meme. It says, why do you put up your Christmas lights so early? And then Kermit looks lovingly at his lights and it says, because it makes me happy. And I think that's I was going right. to say you do it for free, I'm assuming. Or at least like a beer or like a well, lunch. I don't charge my dad. That'd be well, weird. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, yeah, yeah I probably wouldn't charge my dad. Your dad takes thing. you for a $100 steak dinners. You better not charge No, I'm just dad. saying when he, when he needs somebody to come over and hang his lights up, I probably won't charge him. That's I will scary. ask for a beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think asking for a beer is perfectly okay. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I love it. Is the season for Christmas lights in Vancouver. Uh, the return of the much-anticipated Stanley Park miniature train is happening. Ooh. Firefighters busy on their day off, making sure Bright Nights is ready to go for its 26th season. While the display will be, as always, completely free, there is concern fewer people than expected this year will get a chance to see the popular light display. A lack of train ticket availability means that not everyone who wants to go will go. The Stanley Park train's back, baby. It's going to be awesome. The mayor of Vancouver made a big splash this week by announcing the return of the Christmas train. As soon as ticket sales went live, demand overloaded the system and the website ground to a halt. Bright Nights will run from November 30th through January 1st, and despite so many opportunities, people across Metro Vancouver were having difficulties logging on and securing their tickets. When I went to the date that I was looking for, even though the time slots would say like 60 or 50% sold, it was impossible to load a ticket. Hopefully ShowPass takes this as an opportunity to improve their website, or perhaps something as popular as the Stanley Park Christmas train maybe shouldn't be on some Mickey Mouse website selling tickets. The demand is certainly there. 23,000 tickets sold out in just about 90 minutes Thursday morning. According to the park board, only one of four engines will be in service this holiday season. And there are only so many tickets that can be sold. We're trying to fix the other ones as quickly as possible, but it was important for us to get something out there uh, that was workable and safe so people could enjoy it. And so that's what we did. More to come on the rest. The park board says there may be an opportunity for additional carriages to be ready in time for the event, which will mean more seats. The Firefighters Burn Fund says the train is only part of the free fundraising event. It went ahead last year without the train, raising about half of what it normally does this year. More people should equal more donations. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Uh, that's awesome, by the way. And wow. I've never, I remember seeing pictures and video of it and it being mind-blowing. I do love the shot at the Mickey Mouse website comment. The like, shade. That's, that's amazing. Although, like, hey, what are your options? You could just go to Ticketmaster and they will just hoard the tickets, you know, 
sell them to scalpers and you'll make all kinds of money because they'll take those free tickets and you'll find them online for a thousand bucks somewhere. So, I mean, maybe there's opportunity with Ticketmaster. Vancouver Park Board said more than 23,000 tickets sold out in less than 90 minutes for the train rides. And this is as of last week. Uh, the train tickets are now sold out. There'll still be holiday light displays, activities that are open and free to the public. Make big donations, though, friends, if you can. Other cities across the country are also gearing up to illuminate the season. Calgary Zoo's Zoo Lights prepping for their opening, which is this week. Um, they get more than one million lights, as they always advertise. More than a million lights. And I love Zoo Lights. It's a beautiful experience. I, I spent seven years doing Zoo Lights. Um, just outside of Edmonton, Leduc Light Up the Park Holiday Fest is also set to burn up the... the the night this weekend, there's other ones that go on too, like Lions and, and different cities have different displays too. It's worth noting those. In Winnipeg, Assiniboine Park Festival of Lights kicks off next weekend. Toronto Distillery Winter Villages tree lighting ceremony will be taking place Vancouver 16th. Uh, Jono, off the top of your head, this is an unfair question. That Christmas market um, down at the uh, Canada Plaza downtown there? Jackpool Jack, Plaza, Jack, yeah. Jackpool Plaza. Um, is, that, is, that, is it happening every year? Uh, does it up yet that you know of or no? You probably haven't been down that far. No, I haven't been down. I, I think it might be coming up shortly. I can just mm-hmm. check for a date for you. Yeah, ya. give it a Google for me there, will you? I, yeah. I, um, I, didn't, I went down there a couple of weeks ago because that's where the BC Aviation Silver Wings Scholarship uh, event was. So I went down there for that, and there was nothing, no sniff of anything that was going on there yet other than you know the beautiful buildings and the water and all the things, so... I, I I love it. If you get out, man, change of scenery is the theme for me right now. It's it's what can you do in your life today to get a change of scenery, no matter how big or how small, and go to different places. You know, one thing that I even thought about, and I realize I'm talking about malls a lot, which is probably not even like me, but I, I, I did. Are you me? Like, no, I don't worry. I'm not you? spending money. Come on. Okay. Okay. Your then you're definitely not me. Yeah. Um. I <laughs> I um. I was gonna go to South Center Mall just because. I was like, hey, Crate and Barrel, I haven't been there in a while. I should go for a walk, right? I mean, mm. just try and do different things as opposed to my my normal go-to. So did you find anything in there, John, or no? Not yet. We can get yeah, to it after I that, did. So. Yeah, November, it? yeah, it's November 16th at 4 p.m. Oh, so here we go, Thursday. Love it. Okay. Uh, see, beautiful Christmas. And if you email me and tell me stop talking about Christmas, I'm going to talk about Christmas more because I like it. Trucker Dan says, well, Ryan, if you come over and put my lights up, I'll give you two beers. Oh, Ryan's not big on ladders, oh, oh. by the way. I I smell a business opportunity here. I yeah. smell opportunity. This is I when smell I'm bad okay economics if you think two beers is a business opportunity, but okay, good for you. Building blocks for something ah, bigger. Very nice. Bigger. Um, and plus, and? Uh, you're going to need to... Get over the heights thing and the ladder thing and the working outside thing and the driving thing and you'll mm-hmm. be great at it. I'm okay with heights. I'm okay with ladders. I'm okay with lights. We'll figure out the driving part. I will you're, say you're... Um, being in Ontario this little week has made me even more hesitant to finally get my license. <laughs> yeah, it's right? scary. How'd you like here. that trip, hey? It is scary. How'd you Oof. like a 401? Uh, Trucks it's not blowing your doors off at 120. Hmm? It's not that. It's the small mm. streets that are so narrow and the people that drive so fast and just don't seem to either care or realize how fast they're going. Mm. And uh, yeah. And then you add to the fact that they're going 120 five yeah. minutes later down the main road. Scary. See, I would rather just hang up lights without the car, but you kind of need them. Okay, I have a question for you that I, I'm afraid to ask because I don't want it to. If you haven't noticed it, I don't okay. want to to frighten you at all. Make me aware. But if you of have it. noticed okay. it, you'll know what I mean. Okay, have you noticed how dark it is yet? Yes, yes. It's, I've been complaining about it because I've yeah. been trying to enjoy. Oh, it's so nice outside. Let's go out for dinner, and it's as as dark as midnight at like yeah. five o'clock. Yeah, but it's not actually darker though. It's it's the same. It's just there's like comparatively speaking to to alberta it, like you think that alberta ran on electricity it doesn't yeah. <laughs> but yet we have more street lights here yeah, no everything lights is here. lit up there's yep, no street lights it's it, it's like vancouver island's very much the same where it's very dark in fact i like to say this is a great place to hide the body oh yeah 
Yeah, right? and there's some Baker older trees along the road too. Hmm. Uh, well, there's that. It, just saying. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not inviting anybody and encouraging anyone to hide bodies. Yeah, don't do that. No. Um, or leave them in plain sight, for that matter. Um, <laughs> just anyway. Two beers and a piece of Lego. Steve in Vancouver is raising your raising the competition for you. My prices have gone up. Yeah. Um, he's not really in Ontario. He's in Ottawa. It's just not the same, says Trucker Dan. Uh, Trucker Dan can say that. Um, he's from Kingston. Uh, Shane Airdrie Superstore has eggnog. Thank you for that. Costco's had it. It's been in my coffee. Um, and I'm due for another one here in a couple of days. So appreciate that. See, you guys are all enabling my, my bad Christmas habit here. All right. Um, I forgot. Are you okay with? Right. Are you okay with? Oh, sorry. I forgot. Mm. Brain farts. Are you oh, okay with you brain, brain farts? Fart? See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. I had a very, very funny brain fart getting on the plane to come here last Uh-oh. week. Uh-oh. I was ordering Tim Hortons at uh, 4.30 in the morning, and I wasn't getting coffee or anything. I just wanted a, uh, a, a bagel belt, and I said, good morning. Can I get a belt, please? And <laughs> I pointed at my belt. Like I went, can I get a bell, please? And then I went, the bagel kind, not the not the round kind. Can I please have a bagel with an egg and bacon on it, please? And I did get it, and it was good. But woof, that was a good brain fart. It's tough when you're tired. Yeah, it's tough. I when um when we were in Vancouver the day that we went to Stanley Park. That morning, we'd been up late for work, came in, and wanted to get up early to get a full on day in Vancouver before I flew out. And uh, Mel woke me up and, hey, it's time. Do you want to go? And I'm like, okay, let's go. And I got up and I walked around and I got in the shower and I was kind of wandering. She asked me a question and I just had to stop. And I was like, my brain doesn't work yet. I just, I couldn't even process questions. I, it doesn't even make sense. So when your brain fails you, it's funny. We all know that we've all gone through them. The question is, is, uh, you know, how do you deal with them? But trust me, when we hear them, Did you know, if you put a wooden spoon on your pot while it's boiling, the pot spoon water will the spill water pot. The boiling pot water steams spoon wood. That's what it sounds like. Yes. And that's when I stop everything and I go, oh, I can't, my brain not working. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever had a brain fart in front of thousands of people though? Yes, actually. Yep. Have you listened yep. to the show? <laughs> <laughs> All the time, it seems. The national anthem singers at last night's Buffalo Sabres game had quite the brain fart. The true north, strong and free. Oh, Canada, we stand arise. We stand on God for thee. God keep our land. Now, he did fine after that. He, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love But that. in Buffalo, it's an Buffalo. honorary Canadian city. You should have seen yeah. the looks of the faces of the people in the arena. Even people wearing Sabres jerseys were like, well, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. Uh, Buffalo is great. Although speaking of brain fart moments, uh, when I was married and I lived in St. Catharines, we used to go across to Buffalo all the time to go to the Walden mm-hmm. Galleria, love cheek the Waga. And we were driving and it was the first time my, at the time, mother-in-law came with us. And I don't know the name of the highway, but when you come across, um, on the Erie crossing, you go across and then you go by the arena actually kind of goes a little bit south and it's kind of a big highway flyover with some merge lanes and there's some statues of buffalo there and um and it was one of those moments actually you know what these are great stories they're one of those moments she goes why do they have statues of buffalo (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know we're in buffalo right um there's another time we were, I was flying. Oh my God, I, this is terrible. I'm going to sound like I'm um, ripping on my ex-wife. We were flying and it was a cloudy, cold, snowy day. And it had been cold and snowy for a couple of days. And we were going to see some friends and we got on the plane and we took off and cloudy and everything. And, uh, and Cheryl said, she said, 
Isn't this nice? It's just so nice and sunny now, finally. And I leaned over and I went, actually, it's always sunny above the clouds every day. <laughs> See, I love those moments. Brain farts. Yeah. Well done. Embrace them. We all have them. You might as well embrace them. I mean, hey, why not? Mm -hmm. Okay, can we do one more? We have time for one more, yeah? Yes. We should. Are you okay with fist fights? Um, no, I've never really been in one. My favorite fist fight story was a story my grandpa told me about when he was playing hockey in Debden, Saskatchewan, and somebody hit uh, my uh, Uncle Jerry a little bit too hard. And my my grandpa charged the guy and hit him so hard they went over the boards and they proceeded to fist fight rolling down a hill. And I'm not really sure he ever played hockey again after that. But um, that's a pretty cool story to hear your like 80 year old grandpa talk about beating the snot out of somebody that hit his brother. I'm okay mm -hmm. with that story. Mm -hmm. I think if Canadian politicians got into a fist fight, there'd be a lot more slapping than fist fighting. It would be a but a fist fight, fight. Yes. we broke out in a very high-profile place on Monday, the U.S. Senate hearing. U.S. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne Mullen has been in a feud with Teamsters Union leader Sean O'Brien for a while now, which is, I don't think, a good thing in general, mostly because of uh, mob stories. Anyway, after some back-and-forth comments about an exchange of social media tweets, Senator Mullins was heated. But Bernie Sanders came to the rescue. A reminder, a men in this clip are over the age of 12. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Big oh, hold, stop it. Is that your Sorry. solution? Every problem. No, no, sit down. No, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Tim. it. Hold it. If we can, no, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have and you have I don't like you because you just described yourself. Hold it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, well, yo, mama. My goodness. It gets worse. There's a part I for, I didn't include it because I only just saw it. But there's actually a part where uh, the senator says something kind of like high pitch and the guy actually responds by going mm -hmm. like he does that like mm -hmm. may i take your head sir like he it's it's literally like a playground fight between a senator and a union leader love it okay so why all the fuss over this well there's a couple of reasons uh the first one is according to the Oklahoman. 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 Okla that's a tough one to spell I'm that sorry. is a tough one Oklahoma. According to the yeah. Oklahoman, <laughs> Senator <laughs> Mullen owns a plumbing business, and he has been an MMA mixed martial arts fighter in the past. Uh, he's complained that union pipe fitters tried to intimidate him and his employees into joining in 2019. See earlier comment about mobs. O'Brien has said his union, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, had examples of employers illegally pressuring workers not to join unions. See, you know it's a real, you know it's a real deal when they got to take the rings off before they have a fist fight. Because that's what happened. Start taking his rings off. So there's no evidence in the rings. Don't damage my rings with your face. Okay. Um, yeah, that's... Okay. If Canadian politicians got into a fight... <laughs> I mean, I would pay money for that. If if Justin Trudeau, Pierre Polyev, Jugmeet Singh, and um, the the block dude, and the green uh, person all got into fights, 
Who do you think wins those fights? I don't know if anybody does. Well, Trudeau's the only one of them that has any training in actually fighting. Well, that so we know he does of. have an advantage there. In public. I mean, but he's going to have the best costume coming into the ring, hands down. He's going to look the best. Um, mm-hmm. Then, the, the trunks. right? I mean, yeah, the gloves. I would hate to see Jugmeet Singh, you know, sc- scrape up his Rolex. Uh, Pierre Polyev would, uh, although he doesn't wear glasses anymore. So no. maybe that's where he's got the contacts now, eh? He's mm-hmm. young and sprite and athletic with no glasses. So maybe that's the ticket. Uh, the block guy's angry. Uh, Jono says Jugmeet Singh has traded jujitsu. So there you go. Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. My money's on Jugmeet now. Yeah. I don't know. He's not going to want to mess up his nice suits and his nice watches as he represents the working man. Um, yeah, and then the, the Block Quebec guy, he's just angry. So maybe, I don't know. He's like that angry guy in the corner. So I don't, we'll see. I would pay money to see that, though. Don't promote fighting. It's not good. What are you thinking? This is the Shift Podcast. Weird. It got very weird. I don't understand. Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. I'm Shane Hewitt. Greg Fish joins us in a newly renovated camera angle that I don't recognize. This is the thing about Zoom and, and all of these video conference meetings that people go through today. That um, as soon as you change something in the background, like you only know one bit of the person. And it's a small window frame of their office. Hi, Fishy. How's it going? Good. Are you, where are you moved? Did you rental? What's going on? New picture? What's happening? Stress? No, just new new webcam. New webcam on a different angle. Yeah, that's it. Wow. That's all it is. Fancy. All right. Well. Same same ramen poster behind me. Yeah. Okay. I'm oh, gonna paint a so picture good. with words here. <laughs> uh, good. Very good. Well done. Uh, Greg Fish is uh, he's weird. He's our weird friend. You know when you go to a party and they, then you have that one weird friend. Yeah, that's fish. So uh, news is where you can find his Substack, is what it's called. It's an online blog, and you can subscribe to it. He'll email you. It actually comes more than once a week. For this week, we have decided to, on the radio, talk about, so what really killed the dinosaurs, question mark. I have learned, Fish, that if you dig deep enough on the Internet, you will find many different reasons the dinosaurs are dead. And one, if you look hard enough, is 5G. Um, I, I have many questions, but I'm not really sure we have enough time in the segment to address all of them. Um, one question is, is why and how, and, but, uh, but again, I'm not, the, the problem is I'm not licensed to handle the, to, to handle that question accurately yep. as, tough, as a man. non-mental health professional. Well, this 5G appears out of nowhere, turns our streetlights blue and every other conspiracy theory that you can think of. So. Well, there was the Futurama episode that did answer that question as well, provided provided an alternative. But uh, I, I think we're, we're not going to touch that one either. We're, we'll let uh, we'll let the the good listeners uh, Google that themselves. Yeah, well, or uh, read the stories about the failure of the film. Anyway, uh, let's move along out of the conspiracy theories into a dis- conspiracy theory that once there was dinosaurs on the planet. Pff, fake news. And uh, maybe they were killed by a meteor, maybe fake news. What do you got? All right. So to this day, we're all told that the dinosaurs died because a meteor the size of Mount Everest slammed to the earth. So the thing about that is that it happened. No matter what we want to say, no matter how much we want to disagree of what exactly happened to dinosaurs later, that part did happen. We have irrefutable evidence of it. And yeah. it comes. Well, both parts, I would say, happened, right? Like we have evidence that dinosaurs walked the earth. We have evidence that a mega massive meteor hit the earth. Now, are the two connected? It's probably the question. Yeah. Exactly. So the two are definitely connected in some way because, you know, you can't really fire Mount Everest at a planet faster than a bullet and expect for that not to do any damage because. So, so the, the the thing is, if you indulge me, I'd like to describe the exact carnage that we're talking about here. All right. So, when a mountain slams into the Earth, the first thing it does is it forms a huge crater. It turns 
hundreds of billions of tons of rock into basically silly putty. And it's going to try and move out of the way of the impact because of Newton's third law. And then because it kind of reaches its limit, it bounces back because it's still molten. And when it bounces back, now the meteor is basically vaporized by the impact. It's it's released more energy than every nuclear weapon we have ever had on Earth combined many times over. And now this this molten section of the crust splashes back and forms a gigantic mountain for just a second and then tries to splash back down. It form it still forms a crater because a good part of it has now been sent into space. Basically a cloud of debris about the size of New Zealand. Some of it is now escaped into space. It's well it's it's in other solar systems now. But the vast majority of that is now also coming down. What that okay. does, we'll get to in just a second. So that initial impact generates the crater and the motion of the crust generates an enormous tsunami. We're talking something the size of a skyscraper that is now going through all the oceans on Earth, slamming into every landmass, wiping out countless dinosaurs. Like a Will Smith the, movie. Even worse. Even worse, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and then you have the debris, the cloud of debris coming back down to Earth. And first of all, there's more meteor impacts all over the planet. And second, you have the heating in the atmosphere because all of this material coming through the atmosphere heats the atmosphere to the point where it's like being in an oven. Like being on the surface of the earth is now like being in an oven. And you're basically making real life dino nuggets at that point, just <laughs> everywhere. Um, and if that's not enough, that Ooh. impact that we just talked about has now sent earthquakes a hundred times more powerful than anything that has ever naturally occurred across the world. So that is also just if you're a dinosaur on that day, you're you're straight up not having a good time. Just not everything is bad for you. And then as a final middle finger to your existence as a as a dinosaur. 65 million years ago, after everything seems to settle from the impact, a giant cloud of soot just completely blots out the sun across the planet for over a decade. It's cold. Okay. It's acidic. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're hungry. Everything is a mess. Everything's broken. So the conventional wisdom then will tell you the dinosaur's reign is over. They all go extinct. And some of them do survive, and they turn into birds, and that they're still with us today. But the dinosaur's reign is over because of that one impact. Distant relative of the pterodactyl, the meanest of the birds, the Canada goose. Ugh, yeah. yeah. No science oh. to back that up, but I truly believe it. No, I've encountered them. I believe it. I don't need the science. I've you don't I, need science I for that one, do you, right? Yeah, I've had encounters with, with the yeah. Canada goose up close and personal in Canada. And, ooh. Anyway, yeah. uh, dinosaurs. Uh, so, uh, let me ask you a question right there where you are there, right there, uh, talking about dino nuggets. So um, all this time I thought an ice age ended the dinosaurs was the text. Is that where we're going next because things got so cold and then that's when we went from uh, cooked dino nuggets to pre-frozen, pre-packaged dino nuggets? No, because here's the thing. Now, it was assumed for a long time that the Ice Age is what killed the dinosaurs because geologic time periods were not really the, the strong suit of 19th century British physicists and geologists. They didn't really understand geologic time. So it was assumed that, hey, the Ice Age must have wiped them out. And then as we started to understand geologic time better, the next assumption was, oh, well, some sort of climate change wiped them out. And what drives climate change? Probably volcanoes, because that has happened before. The biggest extinction, the deadliest extinction in our recorded geologic time is from the Permian extinction um, during the formation of Pangaea, the supercontinent. Volcanism was so completely out of control at that point that it raised the average temperature on Earth to about 50 degrees centigrade. And basically, a lot of life started dying because oceans started acidifying. It just it choked the life off the planet. 
And so the idea was maybe something similar happened. But there was no proof for that until relatively recently when scientists started looking at something known as the decant traps, which is in modern-day India. The decant traps are kind of like the Siberian traps. They're just giant basalt flows that erupt for tens of thousands of years, just constantly spewing toxic gases into the atmosphere and all of these lava flows over an area the size of your typical average country. That has a very profound effect on the atmosphere. So, for example, at the start of the industrial age, there were something like 273 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And now we need that because if we didn't have any carbon dioxide in our atmosphere and we're going just by the light of the sun, the earth would just be a slush ball. Like we need the greenhouse gases in our atmosphere to keep us warm. But now with having some industrialization under under our belt in 200 years, this has jumped to Uh, about 427 parts per million. Now, that's that's not great that we basically double that in 200 years because that when we see that in the geologic record, that's usually a precursor to something really bad happening. But during the decan traps explosion, by the end of their burst, they had these four major bursts over about a million years, um, the content of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere was over 800 parts per million. So we're talking about some pretty devastating levels of warming and a very hot, dry, nasty climate globally that would do tremendous damage to life. And now here's the fun part. Those, the timeline for these four massive eruptions that boost all of that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and heat the earth is right in the middle is the meteorite impact. So the question became, well, no, hold on a second. Did the meteorite potentially trigger the next eruptions of these decan traps? Were the decan traps exploding and the dinosaurs were already in trouble and the meteorite was just a finishing blow? Inquiring minds really wanted to know. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have a situation here where now this this is all the studied history bits that people are you know looking at all things through digging through dirt, looking at tree rings. I mean, they do all things carbon dating and all the bits, right? I mean, this is legitimate science that breaks down this era as best we understand it. Now, the question is: is it's not a perfect science saying February of this year? This is when this happened. I mean, the window is pretty wide in the millions of years. So that stuff is all understood. We usually only hear that it was this meteor hit the earth. It put a big hole there and um, caused a big cloud. The earth went dark and then everything got cold. And um, we had uh, dinosaurs dropping into dino sickles. And that was it. A few of them survived. And those are alligators, birds and cockroaches or something like that. And here we are today. So. The idea that it might have actually been a, a series of events, I, I think that's important, Fish, for everybody today because we often look at these apocalyptic events with Earth like, oh, my God, there's a meteor coming. Okay, well, maybe, and that's probably not good. But at the same time, don't you think that takes a lot of pressure off to say even to kill off the dinosaurs? Like it took four or five or six perfect storm events to happen in order to do that. I think that takes pressure off humans. Well, yeah, it it does in the way, and exactly what you the, what you were talking about is exactly the kind of skepticism that some scientists have had, saying, "All right, yes, there was a massive event, but that event could be something similar to like a super volcanic eruption. You don't really have <clears throat> a full global die off, so maybe there's something else. And volcanoes are the biggest driver of mass extinctions historically. Historically, so let's look at some zircon crystals." from the decan trap area that record the eruptions and see what actually happened. Let's let's look at the geologic time. Let's look at the fossils. And what these teams found is that there were dinosaur fossils going as far as 300,000 years after the impact. So the dinosaurs were still around, right. a lot of them. 
if and I mean they and they weren't even that far from the explosion. They found these fossils in modern day Mexico, like where it impacted. So there's signs that hey, dinosaurs were may have been dealt a tremendous blow, but they weren't completely extinct. Like this was a really horrible day and a really bad time, but a bunch of dinosaurs made it out just fine. So the question became so why so why did they die? And here come the following the next eruptions of the decan traps. Right. So scientists now did what scientists do best, and they threw a bunch of supercomputers at it and did a bunch of simulations to see what scenarios would then correspond to the reality of what happened, mm-hmm. the observations of what happened. And what they found is that if we have the meteor, if there were decan trap eruptions before, they would have heated up the earth. The dinosaurs would have been doing fine. Then the meteor comes and it blots out the sun. And that cools the planet significantly. So dinosaurs are kind of getting adjusted to, okay, things are a little colder. Things are a little bit more difficult. Dinosaur socks and sweaters. Exactly, exactly. And then they come out of this gloom and doom of the meteor and saying, okay, we have the chance to repopulate again and, and, you know, be dinosaurs, be happy dinosaurs. And here come the following decantrop eruptions. And all of a sudden, the world starts heating up again very rapidly. So now complete climate anarchy. Mm. There's no steady state in which the species can adapt. And that's when the mass die-offs begin. So what is the impact of all this fishy? Because the, I mean, aside from the curious, um, does it change what we know? I mean, these are the sort of the, the bits and pieces that, that we hear because, you know, the dinosaurs are the oil and all of these bits and pieces. I mean, this seems to sort of change the core of all of it, doesn't it? Or is there just no impact other than, hey, by the way, turns out it was uh, not as easy as a rock hitting the planet. It It's really the latter. It's just, hey... There were a lot more things going on. It takes more than just a rock hitting the planet to send everything into extinction. Um, it really, what it comes down to, um, like the dinosaurs, like everyone says, oh, dinosaurs are the oil. That's not really true. It's it's plankton under tremendous pressure um, in the oceans. That's the oil. Um, and because, and we find it in different places because where the oceans were, moved around um and the big uh, misconception then about dinosaurs is that everything was going great and then the meteorite then the meteorite hit and then all the dinosaurs were gone no they held on for another three hundred thousand years but they were just in a bad stretch of time and they would have died out anyway because the these basalt flats Mm -hmm. would have ensured that the earth became too hot to support them. Interesting, so right? Basically, they were that doomed is really, is, is really yeah. what it comes down to. Fascinating. And, and the time frame is, is amazing, too. I mean, we've basically been an organized society for what? Really 200 years, maybe? A rather chaotic society for 500 years, 300 years. And, um, you know, for a couple of thousand years... 3,000 years, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of years, and they were like, yeah, we're hanging on, right? That's that's like inflation for a really long time, as we know it, for 300,000 years. Well, I, I'm pretty sure the dinosaurs not having to, you know, run a country or do politics definitely made their lives a lot more pleasant and easier um, no than kidding. ours. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that theory. That's why they kind of held on. They're like, hey, we just get to do whatever we want. Um, this life is just a party. But well, um, except for the T Rex, yeah. though, they're like, "Hey, can you help me put my socks on? It's getting cold Ooh. in here." Yeah, that's it. That that was difficult. That was definitely difficult for them. That's why they just wore sandals without socks. That's why the right way to wear sandals is without socks. It, it's established perfect. By the I T-Rex agree. Tradition. You and me, we get along. Okay, so Greg Fish, uh, World of Weird Things. You can subscribe to the Substack. The article is posted at shiftheads.ca. It's nice and easy. You'll get a couple of newsletters a week with different stories. Now, one of the questions, let's address it quickly, that came up was, how is it possible there was nothingness before the Big Bang? The big answer to that one, as you described, was, I don't know. 
Is it something that we can talk about here or is the, it was a question that was asked at shifteds.ca or is this one of those things that we just, there are so many question marks and guesses that we can't even talk about that. So the thing is we can talk about it, but uh, so one of the, I, I will say this, uh, one of the big misconceptions about the big bang is that it's essentially a placeholder. Um, we know that we don't know what happened before that. We just know that, hey, if we follow the current evidence, it leads us to a time where everything was very hot and very compressed, Right. at least in the section of the universe that we can see. But what happened before that and what's happening outside of that, we don't know because we just can't. We don't have any evidence, so we can't say anything. There are some ideas, things like there's many big bangs. So mm. there's many sec like the universe is infinite and periodically there's just these big bangs. Maybe there's just these supermassive black holes that explode and out comes all this matter that settles into parts of the universe. There's all sorts of theories like that. Yeah. But I do have one specific idea that I think will we should probably discuss in another episode that might okay. shed some very interesting light on it. So if you have questions about the weird things, you go to shiftheads.ca. You can tag Greg Fish or tag Greg me, uh, Greg me. <laughs> Tag me, and I will tag Greg Fish, and we will uh, get the conversation started, and this is what happens. It's the world of weird things. Uh, Fishy's been coughing like crazy here, and you're a real trooper, buddy. Thanks for uh, trying to trying to get this done. I really appreciate that. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 